Well, good afternoon. It's good to see you. It's good to be back with you as we have opportunity once again to worship our God together. And I am certainly excited to be here, and I'm excited to spend this time, the short time that we have, that we can study God's Word together. I want to start with an idea, a passage that probably for the most part that we're fairly familiar with, certainly when we begin to think about uh, the idea, it's something that we talk a lot about, as Paul writes to the brethren in Thessalonica, and he admonishes them in a very simple but yet pretty in-depth statement specifically about prayer. And he asks them to be sure that they are praying without ceasing. Now, it's a very simple statement that he makes, right? Pray without ceasing. Three words, that's it. Three simple words that carry heavy weight. Because we'll often make the point, and I believe rightly so, that the connotation there in a passage like that isn't trying to paint a picture where it is 24 hours a day, every day, that we are in some sort of state of meditative prayer-like trance. But the point is that God's people... Disciples of Christ will be prayerful people, that it is a go-to for them, that in times of need, prayer, in times of struggle, prayer, in times of abundance, prayer, that this is a go-to response not to the bad or not to just the good that it is a go-to response for life. So each and every day, as a Christian, each and every day, as a follower of Christ, we are tapping in to that communication that we have with God. It is an incredible blessing. It's hard even, if you really try to think about it. It's hard to imagine the level of blessing that has been made available to us. That we can, in any circumstance, in any moment, and at any time, speak to God. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable to think about. But that's what He's done for each and every one of us. Now, there is a reality when it comes to prayer that there are lots of different reasons to pray. There's lots of different types of prayer. You can study from the pages of Scripture from the very beginning to the very end, and you can see God's people going to Him in prayer for lots of different reasons and in lots of different ways and in lots of different circumstances. And I think a lot of times we break prayers up into various genres. And I think that's okay to do so, whether it's prayers by way of supplication. We are asking God for something. We ask him for something personally. We ask him for things for other people. We are thanking him for what he has done. We are asking for forgiveness in our prayers for sin that we have committed. We are asking him to help us, to guide us, to protect us. And all of those things are right, and all of those things are good. And there are times for each and every one of those prayers. But tonight, for just a moment, I would ask that we consider that there is one aspect of prayer 
that I believe cannot be missed, no matter the genre, no matter the type, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I will contend tonight to ask you to consider that in each and every time that you pray, to include this, no matter the circumstance, the situation or type, each and every time that you pray, the encouragement is to make sure praise is involved. Now, we ask ourselves, well, what's the purpose of that? Isn't that a type of prayer? Isn't that a genre of prayer? And absolutely it can be. It can be the only thing that happens in a prayer that you lift up to God, that you are praising Him for who He is and what He is all about. But tonight, I want us to consider for just a minute the importance of including some level of praise Every single time that we pray, because in essence is where the power lies, because everything changes when we come to before God in prayer and we do so in humility and we do so in awe or we do so in adoration and all of those things follow praise. You see, the reality is, is when we come before the very throne of God, we bow before him knowing that he is the creator and the sustainer of life itself. And when we pray with that mindset, it can have a profound impact on your prayer itself. There's a passage in the book of Psalms. We're going to be looking at several passages uh, this afternoon. In, in Psalm 24, there's a couple of questions that I think are really kind of interesting. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. An emphatic statement that puts, your, puts that into your mind. So what kind of difference does that make? Or can it make a difference? I'm going to give you an example of this in practice, biblically in practice. We're not going to cover this whole story, but in Daniel chapter 2, if you're familiar with this story, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he asks all of the people closest to him, I I want what the dream is, I want the interpretation of the dream. And of course, no one can do that. No one can do that. Now, in Daniel chapter 1, we already learn from Daniel himself that God has provided to him provided to him an avenue in which visions and dreams will be revealed to him. And Daniel knows that, and he knows God is capable of this. And so as Nebuchadnezzar is looking for what this dream is and what it's all about, Daniel, he is the one, he is the one who steps forward, and he is the one who will reveal and interpret what this dream is all about. And he does so with the understanding that God certainly is controlling of all of these things. And what's interesting to me is in the midst of this story, before Daniel does anything, before he talks to the king, before he reveals anything at all, before he does anything, he pauses and he prays. But in the midst of that prayer, it is praise. Praise to God, recognizing who God is and specifically what he has done. Let's take a look at it. 
In Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, it says that the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And so Daniel praised the God of heaven. Here's what he said, verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you. O God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and might. And have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. It's a powerful prayer here given by Daniel. And what it is, what triggers it, certainly is what God has done. But it is because of what he is and who he is. And what does Daniel do? Praises God. And I want you to understand the Bible is filled with this. Filled with this. That when someone is apt to speak to God, it is full of praise. Certainly in the book of Psalms, we can spend a long time looking at passages that showcase that. But let's not use Psalms tonight. Let's look in other places. Here's an example in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4. In the midst of what we make reference to a song of Moses... He says this, for I proclaim the name of our Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. I love that, ascribing greatness to our God. In 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 2 and 3, again, David here, the Lord, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, the God of my strength, in him I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior, you save me from violence. Book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 5. Again, another prayer. Stand up, stand up and bless the Lord, you God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all things on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. And there's one other example of this I'm going to ask you to turn to. It's a little longer, and I didn't feel like typing it all out. It would make it too small up here on the screen. But I'll ask you to turn there. It'll be an easy one to find. This page, this time in the page of the New Testament, in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, there is an incredible thing that happens. In the midst of Mary being told that she is to conceive and carry by the Holy Spirit God's Son. And her coming to the recognition of that and acknowledging how with man that very thing is an impossibility. But with God it is a possibility. She visits Elizabeth who's carrying at the time John the Baptist in her womb, who leaps when 
Jesus in the womb of Mary enters in. And in the midst of all that is happening to her, I think difficult for us to really comprehend it. How her life has been rocked by this news in so many ways. Well, she goes to God, and I want you to listen to her focus. Listen to her focus. Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 46. It says, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generations. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. You see, Mary, and all that is happening to her in this moment, where is her focus? God and his greatness. You think that makes a difference on her perspective of life? Think about the perspective that we can maintain if we constantly are regarding God's greatness. The impact that that can have. I'll tell you a profound impact. So I want to give you a couple practical things to be thinking about as we kind of draw this down to some application. We begin to think about what it is that praising God specifically in prayer begins to look like. I'm going to give you four quick things, so quick I'm putting them all up here at the same time, even. I want you to think about what then does this look like? What are some things that I can be thinking about? Well, the first thing is maybe the the easiest of us to think about, but it is important. We've got to proclaim the praise. We've got to give it. Well, we've not just, it's not just enough to be thinking about it. It's not just to be kind of in your own mind acknowledging, yeah, God, he is really, really nice. Listen, we talk about that all the time, right? With, with, With all relationships that we have. We, we get that with our spouse or with our children all the time. Do, do you think your children are great? Do you think your spouse is great? I do. I think they're great. Well, how often do you tell them? Well, they know that, right? How often do we make references like that? They know that. They know I think they're great. They know I think that they're awesome. They know I think they're doing a great job in school. I, they know I think they're doing a great job and making good decisions. I know my spouse knows that I, that I love her, right? I mean, we talk about those things all the time, but yet we'll often say, well, do you, if you don't tell them that or show them that, well, what, what difference does it make? That's got to be the same way with our praise. We've got to not just have it in our mind or think it's a good idea. We must proclaim that. One of the greatest ways to do that is in prayer. Sure, we can proclaim the praise to the lost. We can proclaim the praises of God in lots of different ways, but certainly in prayer. We must be earnest when we approach Him. Excited even to praise Him in prayer. 
Thirdly, I put up, I think, something else that's important that we've seen biblically as we've studied through, the importance of declaring specifically who he is and what he has done. Sure, we can absolutely praise him in generalities because he is that praiseworthy. But there are also opportunities in our life to praise him very specifically for what he has done. Mary does that in Luke chapter 1. Moses did that. David did that. Nehemiah has done that. The psalmists do that all the time, specifically declaring who he is and what he has done. And then fourthly, thanking him with a gracious heart and attitude. You see, it comes down to coming, simply coming before God in humility. Aiming, even when we are praying about something we need, continuing to make everything about him. And that is the power that can come in praise when it comes to our prayers. Even when we are praying about something we feel that we need, make that prayer about him. And praise will absolutely spring forward. So what kinds of things can we pray him for? Maybe you're there and you're thinking, oh, what's what's on that list? What can we be praying for? Well, I can think of, and there are numerous, infinite maybe even things that we can praise God for. Here are a few to get you started. We can praise God for being God. For being in control of all things, we can praise God for protecting me each and every day. We can praise God for his son and the gift of him and his sacrifice for me. We can praise him for his love. We can praise him for his mercy that he shows every day. We can praise him for even hearing our prayers, caring for us in that way. We can praise him for being our refuge, as the psalmist does, our strength. We can praise him for supplying all of our needs. The key component becomes that in each and every one of our prayers, that prayer is about him. Let's close with this. I've held all the way almost to the very end. I want to look at the book of Psalms. We're going to look at Three passages in the Psalms, and then we'll be done. Throughout the Psalms, there's great examples of this. I want you to take for this week three examples. We're going to read them right in a row. The first is Psalm 100. Think about your own praise and prayer. Think about the way that you proclaim it. The psalmist can help us in this regard. That's what are there in a lot of ways to teach us these kinds of things, to help us with these kinds of things. Psalm 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. We've talked about that already. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. 
We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. Perfect sentiments. Backwards a few. Psalm Psalm 34. Psalm 34 verses 1 through 4. Just the very beginning of this psalm. Psalm 34. The very beginning. Again, a psalm of David. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Listen. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 1, something specific. What a powerful sentiment that is. Praising continually with his mouth. And him asking us to magnify the Lord with him. One more. Psalm 111. Psalm 111. The very beginning of this, the first four verses, Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Very similar, stated differently, but very similar to I will praise him continually in my mouth. I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. I want you to think about just as these psalms begin. The level of praise that is found there. So two things as we close. Number one, that we've already stated. Think about deliberately, deliberately placing praise in every one of your prayers for a week. To see, to see how that feels and see how the the impact that it can have. I will contend that if you do so for a week, you will never go back. Praise God in every prayer. But we'd be remiss without closing with a bigger picture item than even that. Our life, not only our prayers, but our life should be about praise to God. Look for the opportunities. Is there a better opportunity than we've had today? Right here in worship. 
as we've worshipped him this morning, as we've worshipped him this evening, incredible opportunities to praise God. That's what worship is. That's what it's about. How has your praise been today? As we've praised him in song, as we've prayed to him together, as we've studied from his word, as we've remembered his sacrifice as we did this morning. And then start taking notice of the abundance of opportunities that we have each and every day in every facet of our life to proclaim the praises of the one who has forgiven us of our sins. They are in abundance, and I'll contend not to be missed. So an easy thing to think about, an easy thing to work on. When I go to God in prayer, praise him for who he is and for what he has done. I appreciate everybody for being here this evening. This is a weekend where it's difficult at times to focus on what's going on on days like this. The temptations are there. Lots of opportunities to do lots of different things, but you have chosen a good thing to be here to worship God with people who love him and desire to be with him. And as Mark leads us in this song of invitation, it gives us an opportunity to consider our relationship with him, our place with him, our spot with him. Are we with him or are we against him? And what a great opportunity we have to think about that. And maybe it is, as we sing this song, that you're considering that and you make the realization that I'm not, I'm not with them. I'm not standing there with them. Maybe it is that you've not been baptized into Christ. You've not had your sins washed away. Thus, you certainly don't have a relationship with them. Or maybe you have, but you've walked away. Maybe we can help you in some way tonight. If we can, you let us know as we stand and sing.